All right, we are back. We do want to thank Elisa for the emails she sent us, and we want to thank all of you who have sent us interesting emails, many of which uh, make it onto the air. We will just be a little more careful about some of it in the future. Uh, Lisa did send me a, um, a piece a few days ago about this upcoming event with Move On, and I realized at that point that I actually had the number of Robert Greenwald, the producer of Uncovered, The Whole Truth About the Iraq War, courtesy of publicist Eileen Proctor, who has given us so many great guests on this program. These have included uh, CBS News reporter Christina Borgeson, author of Into the Buzzsaw, investigative journalist Greg Pallast, and presidential candidate Dennis Kucinich. So we put a call in to Robert Greenwald, and he agreed to join us on the program. Robert Greenwald is the co-founder with Mike Farrell of Artists United, a group of actors and others who publicly opposed the rush to war in Iraq. He's an award-winning filmmaker and producer. His films have garnered 25 Emmy nominations, four Cable Ace Award nominations, two Golden Globe nominations, the Peabody Award, and eight awards of excellence from the Film Advisory Board. And we should point out that unlike Bill O'Reilly, who claimed to have won two Peabody Awards, Mr. Greenwald actually did receive this prestigious honor. I don't know whether you've heard about what's taking place this December 7th regarding Move On and the documentary Uncovered, the whole truth about the Iraq war, but let's go to let Robert Greenwald tell us a bit about it himself. Mr. Greenwald, welcome to Radio Parallax. Can you tell us a bit about this event taking place uh, on this Sunday, December 7th, all over the nation with regard to your documentary? Sunday night, moveon.org, one of the sponsors of the film that I've made, Uncovered the Whole Truth About the Iraq War, has organized house parties all across the country. And it's really been quite extraordinary, the response. There are over about 2,300 official ones, and we think another seven or 800 that people are kind of just doing it. So it's a unique experiment, if you will, in democracy with people opening up their homes, inviting in friends, neighbors, enemies um, to view the film, have a dialogue, and there will be a large conference call which I will be on the call with all the several thousand homes and the tens of thousands of people. If you still want to participate in a house party, you can go on to moveon.org, put your zip code in, and they will tell you which house parties are in your neighborhood and if seating is still available. And if you want to get the documentary itself, you can go to our website, which is truthuncovered.com. Well, this is, uh, this is an amazing thing. I've done this, and it, right here in my zip code area, there's three or four people that are going to be hosting parties. Yeah, isn't it something? It's real democracy. I've never heard of anything like this before. Is this, uh, do you acknowledge the first time this has been tried? Yes, it is. Well, it's very exciting, and yeah. we'll have to uh, do a follow-up to see how, how this goes down. Now, I understand you were deliberately setting out to circumvent gatekeepers with Internet marketing. Yes. Um, I didn't want to have to wait and spend the time and the energy and the negotiation going through distributors or studios or networks or cable companies. So what I did was I went ahead, I made the film, a Center for American Progress in Washington, D.C., and moveon.org helped provide some financing, so I was able to finish it. And then the distribution pattern was Center for American Progress handling some screenings, Washington, D.C., New York City, to sort of get the press going and then move on and alternate and buzz flash and the nation all letting people know through the internet that they can buy it they can get it they can take it home they can show it to friends they can give a copy to their school and we've had an amazing response there i think we've sold over 35,000 dvds already uh, somebody a donor has come forward and is contributing dvds so that the 
military families speak out, the group of families that have children and brothers and sisters and husbands and wives in Iraq. So we're offering it to them if they want to see it. So it's been... um, it's been quite an extraordinary experience. They've screened it for various uh, senators and people in the House of Representatives. And um, many of the people in the movie, who, by the way, important part, the experts that I interviewed are all people who have worked within the powers of government, within the corridors where decisions are made. So it's CIA and Pentagon and Foreign Service people and weapons inspectors who speak with tremendous authority about the reasons we were given and the reality uh, versus those reasons for the war. Yes, we actually have already had Joseph Wilson uh, on, on our show to talk about this, so I understand he's one of the prominent people featured in the documentary. He is great. He's, yeah. he's, uh, he's a, an extraordinary uh, hero and a wonderful one for our side. Is it true that you decided to make this particular film after reading an interview where administration spokesmen were trying to switch the focus from weapons of mass destruction to weapons of mass destruction programs? Yes, exactly. I was sitting at home in my study one day, and I saw for the first time, as they couldn't find anything, that one of the Bushies started talking about programs. And I elevated in my seat, my stomach went into a knot, and I said, you know what, they're going to pull this off, and they'll find a program. Program's a piece of paper and a blueprint someplace. I, at that point, did not have faith in the media to break through it. Fortunately, since then, by the way, I think a lot of the traditional reporters who are smart, aggressive men and women have been going out there and and exposing a lot of the falseness. But when this happened in in mid-June, I think it was, I was very concerned. And I said, you know, this is a great opportunity for film. Because on film, I could put their voices and see them looking in the camera and saying, these weapons are coming to kill you. And then juxtapose it with them saying, well, maybe we'll find a program someplace as a way of sort of showing the change in their position. That was the first inspiration. And then the second one was I started reading about these people in the CIA who were coming forward. And I I mean, it was absolutely amazing to me, uh, given what I know about the CIA, that people who'd worked there, and we're not talking about a secretary who came in for a week, people who worked there 15, 20, 25 years were coming forward and saying the information is being misused, they're distorting it, they're misleading, and they're lying. And I said, I want to hear these people talk about what went on. Yes, and the CIA is not noted for being shrinking violets when it comes to uh, being wanting to take an aggressive stance and dealing with things in the world. So the fact that they are saying that this is really being you know, taken beyond the pale, I think, is, uh, is significant. Yes, absolutely. You also, I guess, have Rand Beers, the person who quit uh, in June of this year, quit the National Security Council um, in protest over what he felt were programs that were not making us safer and not actually dealing with uh, the issue of the 9-11 attacks. Yes, the other part of the tragedy of this is that um, virtually every terrorism expert I have talked to said the war in Iraq has made it worse. In fact, one of them facetiously had said, you know, that uh, Bush has been recruiting for terrorists because of his actions in Iraq. So to the extent that these people who live their life worrying about and focusing on how we stop terrorism, from there... unanimous point of view uh, of those I interviewed. Now, I'm sure there are some who I didn't who would disagree, but I think the great majority of people in this world of terrorism experts feel this was a huge mistake. It took our eye off the ball. Best case scenario, and worst case scenario, it's become a recruitment for more terrorists. 
you talk a bit about one of your prior films, Unprecedented, the story of the 2000 Florida election scandal. We've talked with the, both Danny Schechter and uh, Greg Palast about their, their documentary, Counting on Democracy. It sounds like you were dealing with many of the same issues. Yes. Um, I hadn't known that Danny was doing his when we started ours, uh, directed by Joan Seckler and Richard Perez, but um, it does cover the whole area of what one happened, as somebody said, the original sin from whence all has come, which was the Florida election. Now, uh, you're the co-founder with Mike Farrell of Artists United, which was very vocal in criticizing efforts before the war. Do you think that Artists United will be working with you in what I guess is going to be a third part of a planned trilogy, uncovered, unprecedented, you're going to be one called Unconstitutional? Correct. Well, Artists United is actually separate. Artists United to Win Without War has become Artists United with Mike Farrell and myself and Kate McCardle, our executive secretary, and has transitioned into a social justice group where we're working with all kinds of different groups and entities that can use actors with some profile from the uh, ACLU to the um, Rock the Vote to uh, the Hispanic Radio Network. We've done a variety of, uh, we've done a radio play. We did an event in San Francisco. So Artists United is well and thriving and continuing to function as kind of a clearinghouse on social justice issues for those in our community who want to do something and people in the outside world who may need an actor. Having said that, we are also proceeding separately, if you will, um, but some of the same people are involved with the third film, which is Unconstitutional, which will be directed by Nani De La Pena, and we hope to have finished uh, by April or May. I know this whole issue of a voter, uh, possible voter fraud with the various companies that uh, are somewhat suspect being involved is, I'm sure, an issue that came up in your previous effort, and are you going to look, uh, look into that, too? Yes. Uh, well, in Unconstitutional, we're going to just focus on, you know, as I say, the civil liberties right. issues. The voter stuff, actually, someone, there's quite a bit, uh, Paul Krugman in the New York Times yesterday wrote about it. Uh, a colleague of ours, I think, is looking into that area. Uh, it's a bit of a, tr- you know, slippery slope because certainly it's area for concern. On the other hand, one doesn't want to do anything that's going to discourage people from getting out and voting. So it needs to be handled in a judicious and careful manner. All right. Well, Robert Greenwald, thanks so much. Can you again uh, tell people where they can see your film this weekend and where they can get more information? Yes, thank you. The, if you want to know about the film itself, go to our website, which is truthuncovered.com. Not hard to remember, truthuncovered.com. Okay. And if you want to sign up for a house party, go to moveon.org and put in your zip code, and it will tell you what house parties are around you, and you can hopefully go to a friend or neighbor and be part of the telephone call. And if you already have the DVD or, or, or VHS, you can just uh, create your own house party. We're out of time to get any new ones out if, for Sunday, but if you have one and want to have a house party, because it seems that they're filling up all around the country, um, please do so. Well, well, thank you very much for coming on the program. Please come on again in the wake of this and give us an update as to how things are going and some updates on your um, your ongoing projects. It'll be my pleasure. All right. Thank okay. you. Sure. Bye-bye. I got to tell you, I'm somewhat encouraged by the news reporting that we've been seeing over the past few months uh, in the mainstream media here in the United States. It seems they've finally gotten off their duff to report more accurately what is going on over in Iraq. Um, I, I think the media deserves some of the credit, 
and some of the, well, some of the blame is the proper way to put it for what took place in Iraq. Had they been accurately reporting what other people were saying, what the world media was reporting about what was going on in Iraq, I think there would have been um, uh, less of an opportunity for the neocons and the Bush administration to move our armed forces into a war that was unnecessary and is continuing to kill Americans and Iraqis day in and day out. We're in a very Vietnam-like situation as much as the administration wants to avoid the V word. Uh, We're in a situation with many parallels. In Vietnam, we were not told the truth about why we needed to get in over there. We were not told about, uh, we were not given accurate um, assessments of what our chances of of triumphing were. And uh, all along the way, we were misled. We were finally uh, bogged down in matters of body counts, where the public was uh, misled into thinking that somehow we were going to win the war by attrition, by killing such vast numbers of Viet Cong that uh, they would surrender. It didn't happen. We were told in this case it would be a cakewalk, we would walk in, it would be an easy victory. Saddam Hussein is still at large, and apparently some of his forces and forces from all over the Islamic world are continuing to operate guerrilla activities against our forces over there. Meanwhile, the infrastructure of the country remains in chaos, and it appears to be a breeding ground for future discontent and uh, and instability in the world, as I might add, is Afghanistan. Uh, we should have maybe done a little more to clean up the country that had been the actual base of operations for al-Qaeda. Instead, as it stands right now, uh, the central government controls little besides Kabul. The Taliban is reassembling itself out in the countryside, and warlords pretty much run the show everywhere except in the capital. We were promised this would never happen again. We would never forget about Afghanistan. In the wake of the first war, it was explained that, uh, well, we let them down. We let them down after the war against the Soviets. And uh, we just simply will never do that again. Well, it's only a year later. And how much focus have you seen in Afghanistan in the media lately? It's all about Iraq. Afghanistan is in chaos. And from what I can see in Iraq, the situation continues to deteriorate as well. A year ago, as, uh, as the Bush administration was trying to get public opinion softened up for the possibility of war, uh, what at the time was a very funny poster was put out. I'm holding it in front of me. Gulf Wars, it was, called Episode 2, Clone of the Attack. You remember seeing this? It was a very funny takeoff on the uh, the Star Wars genre with the missiles launching George Bush, Condoleezza Rice, uh, you know, aircraft carriers, etc. And uh, I got to tell you, it isn't so funny now. Uh, it was, you know, it was funny when Mad Magazine put this out last year, but uh, that, and also on our program, as we were ramping up to war, we were making fun of it, airing the old uh, segment of, you know, the Marx Brothers duck soup, Fredonia's going to war. And uh, that seemed sort of funny at the time, and that ain't so funny now either. I pick up uh, the Sacramento Bee, Tuesday of this week. Front page article, Dispute Over Iraq Firefight. This is worth spending a minute to go into. B News Service, Dateline Samara, Iraq. U.S. military commanders vowed Monday that the killing of as many as 54 insurgents in the central Iraqi town would serve as a lesson to those fighting the United States. But Iraqis disputed the death toll and said anger against Americans would only rise. Shades of Vietnam. You know, if you're old enough, I think you remember this sort of thing. 
The administration claiming that all 54 people that were killed were basically insurgents, you know, hostile enemy. But um, even a cursory examination of the local hospital by the news media shows that, you know, as appeared in the B, an injured Ali Abdullah Amin, age seven, cries after learning that his father died in Sunday's clash. They went down to the morgue and they found basically old men, in one case, a gray-bearded 73-year-old Iranian man. Uh, the city's morgue, they pointed to a dead woman on a steel tray, the morgue worker said, had worked at the city's big pharmaceutical factory and walked into the crossfire between U.S. forces and Iraqi guerrillas. Quoting again from the Sacramento Bee article, If I had a gun, I would have attacked the Americans myself, said Sadar Naisaf, 47, a shopkeeper who said he'd watched two Iraqi civilians fall from U.S. gunfire. Quote, the Americans were shooting in every direction, unquote. While U.S. commanders said the Iraqi body count came from precise reports filed immediately after a close-range battle, officials at Samara's main hospital said Monday they could account for, at most, eight dead, with most of those probably civilians. Among the 55 injured, they said, were elderly men, two women, and at least 10 children. U.S. commanders, it was noted, said that all casualties were guerrillas. There were 18 wounded and 11 captured, they said. We understand there is a discrepancy, said Major Gordon Tate, a spokesman for the Army's 4th Infantry Division. We're confident of our assessment. It was noted in this article, again, this is the Sacramento Bee. This is not The Nation magazine. And I'm, I'm grateful for, like I say, the mainstream reporting we're now getting out of Iraq. The article goes on to say, the Pentagon typically does not publicize the number of enemy dead or wounded to avoid comparisons to the frequent enemy body counts in the Vietnam War that ultimately proved to be a poor indicator of U.S. military performance. So we no longer say that we're killing 10 to 100 times as many enemy as we lose. We're just claiming that everyone that we kill or wound is an enemy combatant. Apparently, if you're to believe the Pentagon, even seven-year-old boys. In fact, here's how this operation was summarized by what's described as one senior military official in Washington. Quote, they got whacked and won't try that again, unquote. What's especially embarrassing about this, I think, is article here from the Washington Post. Rajiv Chandreshakaran Dateline, Baghdad. This is like two weeks ago. The top U.S. military commanders in Iraq said Tuesday that attacks on American forces had declined significantly since troops began aggressive counterinsurgency operations across the country two weeks ago. This is right before this most recent firefight. You know, I don't know why we just don't have the Pentagon announce that, you know, they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. That, for you younger listeners, was what the Pentagon said as the Vietnam War continued to drag on and public opinion started to turn against it. They said, well, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It won't be long, folks. We'll be out of here. They're talking about pulling out of Iraq by July. And frankly, I do think they mean it. Because if they don't, and people keep returning home in body bags as the election draws near, this is not going to be a good thing for the current administration that brought all of this about. So I do think there's a possibility that uh, they'll find some way to end this, um, this conflict that should have never happened. We will continue to follow developments as they proceed. But before I end this segment, I would like to, um, to cite an article that's worth mentioning here, November 23rd, Dateline, uh, from Common Dreams off the web. FBI scrutinizes anti-war rallies. 
Dateline Washington. The Federal Bureau of Investigation has collected extensive information on the tactics, training, and organization of anti-war demonstrators and has advised local law enforcement officials to report any suspicious activity at protests to its counterterrorism squads, according to interviews and a confidential bureau memorandum. I'm not sure what constitutes, quote, suspicious activity, unquote. Are you clear on that? Article here off the web from the Fresno Bee in October about Fresno peace meetings being attended by the same fellow, always sitting in the same spot, taking notes, never taking part in discussions, was found out later he was a Fresno County Sheriff. Yes, law enforcement people, local and federal, are scrutinizing what is going on in peace rallies. And um, I remember back in the 70s when there were Peace demonstrations taking part in the UC Davis campus. Trains were being stopped that were shipping munitions to the Bay Area. I remember so well seeing a guy in shirt sleeves walking around with a gigantic lens on his camera taking photographs of everybody out there participating in the marches. These were peaceful marches, people demonstrating what we take to be as our right to protest in this country, all being photographed by rather official-looking people and um, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to think that sort of thing was behind us, but uh, I suspect in this current era of Patriot Act that we're seeing more of that than ever before. Sacramento City Council, of course, was recently debating whether they were going to repudiate the, the Patriot Act, and uh, I think they voted against it, didn't they? They voted to repudiate. Well, I hope so. I don't know. Uh, I'm getting all wound up just talking about this, but um, that's good, I think. And I hope that you will join me in attending uh, these various showings on Sunday of... Robert Greenwald's documentary uncovered the whole truth about the Iraq war, and we hope that we will return to this subject with him in the not-too-distant future. Let's take a much-needed break. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Sacramento, Davis. This is Radio Parallax, and I'm your host, Douglas Everett.